1: Zhao works ad scams en route to other compromises. Killnet claims to have defaced a U.S. FBI site. CISA registers another known exploited vulnerability. Difficulties with Twitter's SMS-2FA. Zendesk vulnerabilities have been discovered. Joe Kerrigan explains registration bombing for email addresses. Our guest is Miles Hutchinson from Jumio with insights on defense against sophisticated ransomware attacks. And Bill Bug romps through Asian government agencies. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. Syjax has published a report on Fang Zhao, a Chinese threat actor apparently motivated by financial gain as opposed to espionage. It relies on phishing baited with spoofed domains of legitimate companies to spread adware. It also appears to be implicated in mobile malware distribution. Cyjax writes, We assess that Fang Zhao is a Chinese-based threat actor likely motivated by profit, The operators are experienced in running these kinds of imposter campaigns, willing to be dynamic to achieve their objectives, and technically and logistically capable of scaling to expand their business. So, Fang Zhao makes money en route to whatever it gets, ultimately from compromised systems, by fees for referrals. Tripwire, which has also looked at the scam, explains how it works. They say... With a UK IP address and Android user agent, the researchers were led to multiple domains before receiving a malicious APK. This file is identified by VirusTotal as Triada, an Android malware, and then comes a connection to an Amazon affiliate. With an IP address from the United Kingdom and an iOS user agent, the site went to an Amazon affiliate link. This permits whoever handled the final reroute to receive a commission on every Amazon purchase made using the same device for the next 24 hours, which may represent a substantial source of income. Newsweek reports that Killnet, the hacktivist group serving as a Russian auxiliary, claimed to have defaced a website belonging to the U.S. FBI. If it happened at all, it was a very brief episode with no credible observers saying they'd seen it. The claim, however, itself represents a small nuisance in the information operations Kilnet and other Russian organizations have fitfully waged against Ukraine and countries sympathetic to Ukraine's cause. Kilnet and other Russian auxiliaries have, over the past month, Proven relatively indifferent to whether or not they've actually achieved the kind of access or disruption they've claimed. It's the claim, the friction induced in the opposition, not the reality of the attack, that matters. CISA has added a new item to its known exploited vulnerabilities catalog. Federal executive civilian agencies have until December 5th to look for, fix, and report action on CVE 2022 41049 a Microsoft Windows mark-of-the-web security feature bypass vulnerability. The remediation is, as usual, to apply updates per vendor instructions. Numerous Twitter users are reporting problems with the platform's two-factor authentication system. Wired has a summary of what's been going on, stating, Some users are reporting problems when they attempt to generate two-factor authentication codes over SMS, Either the texts don't come or they're delayed by hours. That functionality may be among the bloatware Twitter's new owners say they're interested in purging from their service. Twitter's help center still indicates this morning that two-factor authentication remains available. And Wired and others note that SMS is not the best form of multi-factor authentication available. Researchers at Veronis have discovered a vulnerability in the customer support product Zendesk that could have allowed attackers to access customer accounts. The researchers found a SQL injection vulnerability and a logical access flaw that affected the product's reporting and analytics tool Zendesk Explore, which is disabled by default. The researchers state that the flaw would have allowed threat actors to access conversations, email addresses, tickets, comments and other information from Zendesk accounts with Explore enabled. Veronis explains, To exploit the vulnerability, an attacker would first register for the ticketing service of its victim's Zendesk account as a new external user. Registration is enabled by default because many Zendesk customers rely on end users submitting support tickets directly via the web. Zendesk Explore is not enabled by default, but is heavily advertised as a requirement for the Analytic Insights page. Zendesk promptly developed a patch for the flaw after Veronis notified them of the problem. Veronis says the vendor began working on a fix the same day they were notified. Zendesk fixed multiple bugs in less than one work week with, it says, no customer action required. And finally, Symantec has found that a Chinese state-sponsored threat actor, compromised a digital certificate authority in an unnamed Asian country. The threat actor also compromised government and defense agencies in several Asian countries. The threat actor, which Symantec tracks as Billbug and is also known as Lotus Blossom or Thrip, likely targeted the certificate authority in order to sign its malware files, although it's not clear if Billbug was able to steal any certificates. The researchers say... The targeting of a certificate authority is notable, as if the attackers were able to successfully compromise it to access certificates they could potentially use then to sign malware with a valid certificate and help it avoid detection on victim machines. It could also potentially use compromised certificates to intercept HTTPS traffic. However, although this is a possible motivation for targeting a certificate authority, Symantec has seen no evidence to suggest they were successful in compromising digital certificates. Symantec has notified the CERT authority in question to inform them of this activity. Symantec noted back in 2019 that Billbug is based in China, and its primary goal appears to be espionage. Coming up after the break... Joe Kerrigan explains registration bombing for email addresses. Our guest is Miles Hutchinson from Jumio with insights on defense against sophisticated ransomware attackers. Stick around. The ongoing threat of targeted ransomware has left a lot of companies, particularly small and medium-sized businesses, struggling to keep up with what is frequently described as a nation-state level of attack sophistication. Miles Hutchinson is chief information security officer at identity verification and online mobile payments company Jumio, where he and his colleagues are on the front lines of this fight.
2: More and more and more, we're seeing the tactics used by nation-state or state-sponsored attackers and the tactics used by organized crime groups that traditionally those two worlds were kind of apart. And more and more over the years, we've seen those worlds converge. So we're seeing the tactics used by both sides being very similar. And then where are we at today today? Everybody's ecosystem is, is technical ecosystem is such that we're all so reliant on so much technology and so many. You think of the um, variety of vendors that we have all got within our businesses. Everybody is susceptible to this in one way, shape, or form. You know, we're, we're all either going to be directly targeted or indirectly targeted because we end up accidentally in the bl- in the blast radius of somebody else's attack. That's being directed their way so yeah you you can end up unfortunately being indirectly impacted by this just by association with a vendor that's um, on a hit list of a nation-state attacker
1: and how do you define a nation-state attacker i mean or or, or i guess more specifically the the types of uh, attacks that they generally use is
2: is it clear or is there some fuzziness there I think there's definitely some. As I said, kind of before, I think that, that I think historically that used to be quite clear cut, and the targets that they um, and the approach was a bit more obvious. That if you saw that type of approach, it was definitely that this is coming from a nation state. Whereas these days, you're seeing nation state attackers and um, crime groups that they sponsor sharing tactics or using similar tactics. We're seeing. We saw, uh, uh, you know, many, many years ago, we saw that certain certain attack patterns that were coming out of the US that were, were leaked, but then picked up and then made it out into the public domain and then also made it into uh, attack packages that are used by other nations back on themselves, uh, uh, back on, you know, back on other nations as well. So I, I think the lines are blurred for sure. I think the lines are definitely blurred. Um, and then, you know, that definition of, well, how do you know it's you know? How, how do you attribute who it's come from? Um, we are seeing we are seeing that, that certain attacks coming from organised groups that are when you lift the lid on it, it's you know all, all, all evidence kind of points towards this is a state sponsored attack. It's it's extremely difficult to, to to prove it, but the evidence, the weight of evidence, suggests that a lot of these attacks are coming from um, groups that are being backed by nation states.
1: And so where does that put your average organization then in, in terms of prioritizing their defenses?
2: Yeah, well, I think the good news on this, the good news on this is from a priority point of view, the good news is if you're doing the basics, then I wouldn't say you've got nothing to worry about, right? And, I, and equally, I wouldn't want to say you've got something to worry about. But if you're doing the, the right things at the right time in the right part of your business, then... Come the day that the worst happens, you're prepared. And and I think irrespective of who that comes from, be that does that come from a nation state, does that come from organized crime group, or equally, equally, Dave, the other thing, does that come from yourselves because you've had an accident, you know, a, a cyber accident yourselves? The key point is if you've got the foundation, cover the foundations, cover the get the foundations right. Make sure you understand what your business is, make sure you understand where your most important data is make sure you understand where your are most you know where, where all of your exposures are and make sure most of all that you know what you're going to do come the day that something happens so you're ready so i'm not sure that unless you're in the business of attacking other nations and unless you're in the you know unless you're in kind of military or government or you're in the business where every single minute of every single day you know that you're being attacked like this then you take a slightly different approach. But I think to your general general enterprise business or small, medium-sized um, business that isn't in that category but could get caught up within it because of by association with another vendor or by association with a marketing campaign or a customer that you've onboarded, I think if you've got the basics covered, then that's going to stand you in good stead for whoever's coming your way.
1: Are there any common shortcomings that, that you see? Maybe you know some blind spots that that organizations overlook.
2: There's there's been a, a few years of people talking about you know ransomware is going up and up and up and up. We're we've, we've seeing it growing year on year. I think the stats in the last year it has gone up again. I think it's gone up again by another hundred and twenty percent in the last year. And all of the, all of you know, the majority of where we're seeing attacks growing is all targeting the youth, the human. So the the human risk is growing for sure. Um, there's, there's a, you know, the, the adage out there saying that the, the people are the weakest link and I really don't buy into that at all. I just think pe- people are the most targeted because the attack surface of the human is far, far wider. So um, better return. So yeah, I think look, shortcomings on this, I think it's making sure that you're, you're protecting your, your, your humans within your business and the equipment that those people are using because, by and large, it's that equipment that's initially used. If you think of an attack, an attack doesn't have a – it's not all over and done with very quickly. It's typically these types of attacks that we're talking about, nation-state or sponsored, they typically are a fairly uh, convoluted attack pattern. So it starts with a point of entry. You're then going to maneuver – within the business and, and pivot to other other parts of that business once you're inside them until you get to a point where you found something of interest to perform, you know, the payload or whatever it is that your intent is. So it's typically not just a break through the front door and smash and grab and get out of there. It's, it's normally quite a, um, quite a drawn out process, So, uh, but it usually starts with the person and it usually starts with the person, the, the user's equipment. So... That's one thing that a lot of companies can spend a lot a lot more time on making sure that they're protecting their humans and protecting the equipment that those humans are using.
1: That's Miles Hutchinson from Jumio. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He is from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, as well as Harbor Labs. Joe, it's always great to have you back. Hi, Dave. Uh, So we were talking about uh, some stuff over on the Hacking Humans podcast, which you and I co-host. And I got a message from our friend, Dr. Christopher Pearson. He's CEO of Black Cloak. Right. Uh, And he sent over some research that they had been doing, I guess a report that they put out about something called registration bombing for email uh, addresses. And I, I thought it was worth mentioning here. What's going on here, Joe?
0: So our story on hacking humans comes from episode uh, 218, yeah. where a listener named Bo wrote in about how he was the victim of a denial-of-service attack, what he called a human denial-of-service attack, mm. where he received multiple um, emails, phone calls, and text messages, and like hundreds an hour. Okay. Tons of them.
1: Just an avalanche.
0: An avalanche of these things. Yeah. And in those uh in those emails and uh phone calls were information from his bank that somebody was using a a cloned credit or debit card to extract money from from his bank account. Okay. Uh and this research that Dr. Pearson sent over is akin to that. And I think uh Dr. Pearson listened to the Hacking Human Show. Yeah. And sent this over. But uh Black Cloak has this concept of registration bombing, which is Kind of like automation of that attack. Okay. So what happens here is I'm a bad guy, uh-huh. right? So I, and, and like bad guys, I often sign up for newsletters. Right. Or maybe access to websites. Okay. And every time I do that, I notice that when I sign up for a website, xyz.com, they send me an alert that says, did you sign up for this, email, uh, this website? Right. Please confirm by clicking on this link and we'll validate your email address. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's useful. A bunch of other websites do that too. Mm -hmm. So if I want to obfuscate messages that somebody should be paying attention to, I'm going to create a bunch of noise and maybe the messages that warn them of my malicious activity will be lost in that noise. Hmm. So I automate the process and just have a bunch of bots start going out and registering for websites. Those websites all send an email to this person's account, to my victim's account. And then while that's going on, I start conducting my fraud. So they get an email from their bank that says, we notice that you just transferred $2,000 out of your bank account. Mm. And hopefully the person doesn't see it.
1: Because of all the noise. Because of
0: the other noise that's in there. Right. It's actually a very creative attack.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting hundreds of emails flooding my box. And in the midst of that, the bad guys do their thing, hoping that I will miss the legit one from my bank or some retailer that I'm working with online, something like that. Correct. How does one protect themselves against this?
0: This is a tough one, Dave. I've actually been thinking about this for a while because since Bo's story, I've been actually kind of concerned about this kind of attack. Uh-huh. uh But I think I have a solution and I haven't tried it yet. Okay. Uh, but I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up a, an email account just for my financial institutions that I deal with. Mm. Right. Anything, anybody I have a credit card with or a bank account with, I'm going to say, my email address is now this. Please use this. Okay. And that way, they will send their emails to that address, which I can monitor on my phone or uh, through my web browser or however. The key difference being that this is not an email I ever publish to
1: anybody. I see.
0: Right? So nobody ever goes, Joe Kerrigan, oh, he is bills at gmail.com. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, they, right. they, they will, they'll do the Google search and they'll find my, uh, my OG Gmail account and they'll go, oh, there's Joe's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I can send him emails and pester him. Um, or maybe I can flood his inbox with uh, a bunch of messages, but they'll flood my inbox with a bunch of messages and I'll still get the email in the financial account, uh, in the, you know, in, in Joe's banking, com Yeah.
1: What I'm wondering about though, cause I think some of this happens when, uh, credentials have been compromised. So, right. say for example, your banking credentials were compromised. Uh, that would mean they would have that unique email address, and they would start flooding that.
0: Ah, okay, that's a good point, Dave. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that won't work very well. Well,
1: but you would. I mean, I think you'd you'd know the jig was up because right. you shouldn't be getting um, email or uh, e- newsletter registrations on your exclusive financial email address. correct. So you, there, that would be a, an indicator be
0: itself. An indicator that something was going on. But getting getting thousands of those things in an hour would also be an indicator that something was going on. Yeah. Uh, even if it went to my, uh, my regular Gmail address.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, again, our thanks
1: to uh, Dr. Christopher Pearson from Black Cloak for uh, sending this report over. Uh, the report is titled, New Registration Bomb Email Attack Distracts Victims of Financial Fraud. Uh, worth checking out. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining
0: us. My pleasure, Dave.
1: Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's The CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The CyberWire Podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Liz Irvin, Rachel Gelfand, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Maria Vermatsis, Ben Yellen, Nick Volecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Catherine Murphy, Janine Daly, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, Simone Petrella, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.